depression is a motherfucker. You have options. Should you or a loved one need any mental health support, please check out National Alliance of Mental Illness, otherwise known as NAMI, at NAMI.org. Or call their 24-hour hotline at 1-800-950-NAMI. That's 1-800-950-NAMI. This is Doug Porter of the Ectopod and Nowhere California Podcasts. You are not alone. You are now entering Nowhere California. If you love what you hear, you can find us on your favorite podcast search engines and subscribe. And also, if you don't mind, leave us a like or a review. And if hearing us is not enough, you can always get your Nowhere California fix by going to NowhereCalifornia.com. And you can send your thoughts, ideas, or some random bullshit to our email, which is Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. Don't forget, we are Nowhere California. Ideas from everywhere, voices from nowhere since 2011. get notified <laughs> yeah i just got that too holy crap this is josh this is doug and welcome to nowhere california late night edition kinky yeah but in separate rooms <laughs> very separate rooms <laughs> yeah we're we're both vaccinated we're the world's kind of getting back to normal and everything but just to avoid the constant oh this is a reason we haven't recorded in a long ass time yeah. We're, we're going to be utilizing Zoom again. We're going to adapt. Yeah. Because life is changing rapidly on all ends. Yeah. <laughs> and if we want to keep this going, keep the recording going and at a steady pace, we must evolve. Mm-hmm. And, but, and what's great is I think, I think there are certain times where the animidity of even just like seeing each other's faces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When we're saying certain lines or certain jokes, just like totally, <laughs> they're totally fun way to do it. And that's the weird thing with this. You'd think we would be doing this video wise, but we're not. We, we, no, I don't think we've ever, we've never done like video on Zoom. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, and not at all. It'll probably stay that way. But, <laughs> um, but still like there's going to be a certain times where we're going to need to be in the same room just because one, well, we, well, we miss each other. Yeah. Yeah, and two commentaries. Honestly, that's gonna and be the big we'll, reason. <laughs> yeah, and then we'll uh, we'll just get in there, cuddle with each other a little bit on the commentary, and then like roll back to Zoom for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So just basically, like we made it to our ten years, and it, it's time to make sure we keep the ball rolling properly. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no there's no there's no break. We're going right for it. Yeah. And with that out of the way. That nice little house cleaning moment. Uh, I think we need to delve into an old podcast that we formerly did. Oh, I and we haven't that one. talked wrestling a long ass time on here. I know. And then none, none of the times you guys ever talked wrestling on Nowhere was I part of the show. I don't so even really as, remember us talking wrestling at length. I think there, I think right before the, the, like a month before you and Nick took that, uh, chance on making from Mark's Unknown. Yeah. Um, you guys we talked, talked a little. I'm sorry, what? We talked a little bit about it. Yeah. Like, so right it's been that. a while. Yeah. And then you okay. and I have never talked about it, even though you and I did a show together with Monique about yeah. wrestling. And uh, that's the weird thing. Lately, um, with stuff that's been going on in wrestling, we'll dive into that a little bit too. Um, 
every time something happens on wrestling and I'm thinking, oh, if we had the podcast, and I quickly think like, wow, I'd be the simple prick on the podcast. I'd be way different than normal. You got this uh... – the thing is, is you're at this weird period of time with your wrestling like experience. Yeah. Because like, because you've, you've seen it all. You've seen the evolution of wrestling from like a kid to teenage, like you watched it grow. And now it's at this weird point where like really bad decisions are getting made on the constant. That it's kind of hard. Sorry. Let's touch a little bit on that because like, honestly, even thinking about it, like I even told my brother the other day, if my dad was still alive watching this stuff, he'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, so many bad calls are being made right now. And it's just, it's it's hard to appreciate the product fully when, like, you know how bad it's going. Yeah. And the the top, the main topic on that one we'll touch upon is just the fucking releases. Yeah. The, the releases. inundation of just everybody gone. And the biggest tipping point was freaking Bray Wyatt being released. Yeah, Bray Wyatt. That was a that one that one was a shock to me. And as much as like like there's been times where a wrestler has stopped wrestling for a long time, like four or five months. Yeah. And then like you're like, oh, okay, well, they should be back. And they don't come back. And then like two months later they're they're released. Yeah. They just got released before they could ever come back. Bray Wyatt was gone for like two months, came back one time, was gone again, and then got future endeavor yeah from what it sounded like the two sides of that story were a Bray needed to take some time off for mental health because of the passing of luke harper which he he deserved to take as much time as he possibly need and then b it was that creative didn't have anything for him to do but also too that character the freaking fiend in the firefly funhouse and everything they were doing was freaking fire it was Pardon the yeah. terminology, it was freaking money. But it, mm-hmm. it, to kind of like quickly sum it up for my side of it, from day one with Bray Wyatt, WWE did not know what the hell to do with him. When he started becoming Bray Wyatt, when he went from Husky Harris to Bray Wyatt, they had no clue what the hell they were doing and were too afraid to let him roll with it. Because to me, one, the Wyatt family could have been the modern day ministry. And almost probably would have, could have eclipsed the ministry, but they didn't allow him to do it. And then just as things progressed and everything, especially with Firefly Funhouse and Fiend and all the different things they were doing with that, it's like you had this generation's Undertaker. You had this modern monster split personality perfectly to roll with, and they couldn't. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting when – you can look at this character as a fan and you can go, this is exactly right. Like you guys are doing, like you guys have the right thing here. Just do it. Like there's not, it's not going to go wrong. Like, and then all of a sudden it's, they take it a weird turn because they didn't trust where they're like, where the, where, where, uh, you know, Bray Wyatt wanted to go. Yeah. Vince always reels everybody back. Yeah. He's having, it's, this is going to be a weird sentence to say. Um, about wrestling, but I was talking to my mom about Vince McMahon yesterday because um, um, my parents like were home, like like I was with my parents when like we watched the CM Punk return, and they got and, like they saw how excited I was about it, so like they got into it, and then like 
I don't know. So like, it's just like, I was talking to my mom about Vince McMahon. And I was like, here's the problem with Vince McMahon. I said, like, he's just lost touch so much about how things should go. And he just clings on to this ultimate power decision that he gets to run the show and eventually just steers it in the wrong direction because of his ignorance, you know? I had to have that conversation with my mom too. She, uh, I guess, read something about Ric Flair uh, being released or leaving the company. And I gave her the full rundown of what has been going on like the last two years. Yeah. And she's like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, wrestling, wrestling has taken a very odd pattern as of late, you know? And, yeah. and it's very, it's, you know, here, here's, here's where I go with, with wrestling with me. It's a lot like G.I. Joe with me. I just enjoy G.I. Joe knowing it was just a commercial for kids and it was like American propaganda and stuff like that. And that's kind of how I feel with wrestling is like, I know how shitty like the world is running, but you know what? Like I appreciate the, the show that they put on on a constant. Totally agree. Yeah. Like, like wrestling is just so I was, I was trying to talk to my, to my wife about this yesterday too. Um, I said, wrestling is just such this crazy theater of people. Like that's, I mean, at the root of wrestling, that's, that's really like what it is. It was a carnival act that just became a sport, you know, but like the theater that they put on in a show is just, it's so crazy. Yeah. The world of wrestling has changed a lot from the sideshows, but there's still a lot of clowns. Oh God! It's it, it, that. It, the problem is, it's it's the children of the original clowns who are now ultimately in charge, but they still have that clown mentality. The next yeah. generation of the people in charge, once Vince McMahon leaves, they're going to be the ones making the right decisions. I can almost guarantee that Triple H probably has like a stash of like Pepto Bismol in his office. Oh God, yeah. Or any calls from Vince is just like, oh fuck. Not again. Yeah. Like how, how I wonder, like, so not even like, uh, like, I wonder what it'd be like to talk to Vince McMahon. I wonder what it would be like to work with Vince McMahon. Like oh, how I'm, much of a weird thing would that be like? Well, you know, the drill, the, uh, urban legends that are true where he doesn't like people that sneeze and yep. he, he doesn't like people that sleep. Yep. If you're on the plane with them, you do not sleep. Yeah. It's so crazy how he's this psych, like. He's this psycho, crazy, like weightlifting old man who like never sleeps and is angry all the time and whatnot. And he's still like seventy-seven years old. Yeah, like, he's and, still. And then he has those moments where he acts like a fucking frat boy. Oh God! <laughs> oh, I'm just. You know what? I, you know what's one thing I'm thankful about with the kit with the PG era of of wrestling. As as yeah. odd as it is to have PG wrestling, like sometimes I really appreciate that we're not getting any more dumb Triple H Shawn Michaels DX. Oh yeah. Like, well, I even think if uh, Vince even went to Triple H and Shawn to do that type of stuff. Yeah. I think they both would be like, dude, no, no, it <laughs> no. doesn't fit anymore. Yeah. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. But um, on the brighter point of wrestling. Yes. Um, since. It's been a long time since we've talked about wrestling on mic. There's been a lot of awesome returns. Yeah, you know, it was the 
the really the the height of where you and I were firing on all cylinders with wrestling with each other and like like when we did not too with much, each other like we didn't like get on like all fours and no 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 there was scrap. there was no singlets no singlets yeah. whatsoever it was um, all nude. Like, yeah all the time <laughs> we go greek <laughs> right yeah greco-roman if you're not going to do a greco-roman don't do it at all yeah well, no, <laughs> i know where you're going here yeah like we just that was where that was like the the year of wrestling uh you know the ruthless aggression era i believe it was yeah and like like it was just coming into that pg-13 or pg to pg-13 kind of thing but like when we had that time there were three guys involved in that time who were amazing to watch and as of late weren't participating anymore. But within the last like six months, yeah, all three have started participating again. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw out the first one, uh, Edge. Dude. That's Ed- the hallmark hair jerking story because it's like he was done. He, ha- he was medically told, you can't do this yeah. anymore, dude. And he walked away from it. Yeah, became an actor and did a bunch of other stuff, but yep. still had that gnawing thing in his stomach, like, I want to end this on my own terms. Yeah, and, and then he once, didn't like blindly jump back in. He he tests the waters and make sure he wasn't going to permanently injure himself, permanently, like not be able to walk. Yeah, this latest match, um, him and Seth Rollins on SummerSlam, um, this was definitely Edge knowing his body could handle a lot of things because this match with Seth Rollins is a lot of strain on his neck and he, Oh, it looked amazing. And there's pieces of edge now that are better than pieces of edge back then. Oh yeah. Because he, it's his terms. And like when he came back, like leading into that rumble where he made his Mm -hmm. return, there was Mm -hmm. the different rumors and everything. I'm like, no, I'm going to believe it when I see it. And I'm sitting here in my room with Kim, and we're watching. She's not really knowledgeable of wrestling at all. Yeah. But she was just putting up with it because, hey, it's me. Yeah. And then Edge came out. I was like, I tried to hold back because I was like, play cool, play cool. But then I was like, no, fuck it. I have to explain this. And I explained to her, like, everything that gone down. And she's like, holy crap. And it's like, he, he did this, and he did it for himself, and he did it to for the fans. Yeah, and it's working for him. Like it's not like he did it and then it went wrong and he had to stop again. Like he's yeah. going he's going hard. Oh yeah. He, and the program he did with Orton um at WrestleMania that kind of like false count anywhere. Like as as much as that was a false count anywhere match, like it was still pretty tame, you know, compared to like how a how a false count anywhere match could have gone. But I think now if they were to redo that program with how confident Edge is in his body now and how conf- like how much he knows he can do, they could really redo that match and make it insane. Well, you got to remember that match also, too, was in the Performance Center. It was the Performance right. Center mania where yep. they it probably didn't, they didn't go overboard with it because they were just going like, okay, will this stick? Like, let's try this. Okay, cool. But also, too, knowing edges limitations since it was su- still fresh for him it's like okay let's test this this test this yeah i got done with it, it was like okay let's let's see where it go now yeah 100 percent. yeah you know. so I was, I was gonna say um touching on touching from edge to help transition to another person that we were going to talk about um 
Christian going to AEW after helping after doing the Royal Rumble with Edge, then immediately shows up in AEW. That 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 falls under also to WWE screwing the pooch. Exactly, one hundred percent. And now somebody else is in AEW. Yes. Oh, this one. The this, cult of personality himself. Yeah. <laughs> this one and the next person's return. Um, the the next person who we're going to talk about returning those two appearances. As much as I loved Edge's appearance. The emotion and the reaction to the last two people we're talking about now, CM Punk and then the next person, yeah. you know, watching CM Punk come back because the thing was, is the buildup to CM Punk coming back was such an online thing and people were talking about it and there were stories and then there was like podcasts and things like that and just kind of like blew up online and it came down to it like, this was like put up or shut up time. Like AEW or Punk or yeah, or AD or Punk needs to say, I'm not showing up because yeah. everybody believes at this point he's going to. Yeah. So then if Tony, he, if he didn't show or something would have happened where it could not happen, there would have been a lot of damage control that needed to happen. Yeah. Fast. But luckily but then, it didn't. But then Thursday morning, freaking Tony Khan goes on busted open radio and starts talking about how this show is going to be an amazing show. We like to make amazing things happen. And he just like, he just leans hard into it. And then right out the gate, first two minutes of the show, he fucking comes out, man. There was no other way to do it. If they would have, like some people were talking online, like, oh, have cult personality come on and MJF comes out and get some heat. Like, no, 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 they they did it the right way. They would have hurt themselves very badly and they did it perfectly. Start the show with him. And it was only an hour-long show. Yep. So they did it right by going, boom, we're going to give you what you want first, and then we're going to show you why you're going to stick around. Yeah, exactly. Like, look, we're not going to bury the lead. Like, we know a lot of you are here to watch Punk come back. So here he is. And they give him right off the start, and then they're like, okay, we're going to do the rest now. But the fact that they're putting him into an immediate program with Darby Allen. Oh, yeah. It shows they have a huge amount of faith in Darby. Yeah, dude. Like, they – they are going like I was because they were talking about Darby Allen. A lot of people online would talk about Darby Allen, Darby Allen, Darby Allen. But they're like, no, it's going to be MJF because he's talking or whatever, or it's going to be, it's going to be Jericho or something. And I was like, dude, if they went with Darby Allen, considering the rub that he got from Sting, yeah. If Punk gives him the rub, dude, he is going to be a golden boy for for AEW for a long time. And also too, after like Rampage aired and everything, I was thinking about like. There's a high possibility through this program with him and uh, Darby Allen that we could get a Sting versus Punk match. That would be insane. And that was one match people talked about all the time. Yeah. <sighs> Two franchise it's, players. And the cool thing with Punk, too, the thing I was kind of thinking about leading into his return is like, oh, he's just going to be part-time and all that stuff. No, he has flat out said, I'm here. I'm yeah, here. I'm I'll back. Backstage, I will jump on commentary if needed, and I'm going to wrestle. I'm back. Yep. Yeah, and he wants to head over. Like he said, if the opportunity to go to New Japan or G1 or something like that opens up, he'll take it. But he'll he's going to go to, to uh, Con first and find out if he's cool with it. And with it being Con, he's going to be like, "Yeah, go do it." Yeah, yeah we're about to us. see. We're seeing a new era with Punk. Yeah. This is going to be a. This is going to be pre-WWE era punk but yeah. with like the 
swagger and confidence he had in WWE. Yeah. Like, like not a fresh, yeah, not a fresh ROH guy who's running this, not someone from, you know, one of the other, indie. this is a guy who was through WWE and was done. And now he's coming back in the same perspective he was when his career started. Yeah, it is. It is just it is it's weird how the stars align with wrestling sometimes as terrible as the industry can be. Sometimes the same scenes like this happen. And it's just like it's it's weird. It's it's amazing how things line up sometimes. Uh, did you see the uh, the emotional uh, punk fan? That kind of yeah, dude. The yeah, dude. But you know what? I, you know I, what? I'm right there with I'm, them. Like as much yeah. as a, I'm a jaded fan lately and everything yeah. like that. I watched the the whole opening thing on YouTube and I was like, no, this is, this is why I still stick around. Yeah. You know what? And that, you know, I, I give, I, I cry too. Not as much as that guy, that guy was really into, but you know what? Here's the thing in, in football or baseball or something, when like a bad thing happens on the field, they'll show like a, like the audience crying and it'll be men because these are, you know, the players, like you look yeah. up to them, you know, things like that. So, so with us, same thing, this is like, this is like what would happen if like, you know, uh, all of a sudden this player came back in baseball and went immediately into the world series, like same thing, like, you know, people would cry for that. So I, I totally respect that guy for just being in the moment, being in it for himself. And he just experienced it the way he wanted to. Uh, he's, he he may experience even more. Did you hear what Tommy Dreamer wants to do? No. He wants to find him. He wants to invite him to an impact taping and give him the full grand tour of impact. And he said he's talked to Tony Khan and CM Punk, and he's going to set it up where the guy will be able to go see an AEW show and do a full-on meet and greet with CM Punk and Khan and basically probably everybody because the dude is a poster child of a fan now. So yeah, dude. Why not? That, yeah, like, come on, like that's perfect. Like, yeah. and and you know what's what's terrible is, you know, there are people who are gonna rip that guy apart online and stuff like there that. There has been, you, unfortunately, and that's the main reason Tommy Dreamer kind of stepped up. Was like, no, fuck you guys. He is a fan, and he deserves to one enjoy the moment, even if it's an emotional moment. He's enjoying it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Like I said, I cried too. Like I, I, I teared up. I was like, oh my god, this is because the other thing I did too was I put myself in the mindset of like, what is Punk feeling? How can Punk be feeling right now? And hearing all those chants, I was like, oh, good for him. So like, I cried for myself, and I cried for like this, this moment for him. You know, like no, I totally agree. Yeah, and now. The one who really did make me cry. Yeah, I know that you did. Oh, Brock my Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, hipster Brock Lesnar. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're talking about bum, 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 bum. John Cena. Yeah. Oh, that return, my I, I teared gosh. up on that one, too. Honestly. You know, and it's, it's, it's insane the amount of level of fandom I have for John Cena. Um, so I'm going to drop a totally personal story because you were involved in it as well. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So my, my intense fandom of wrestling and John Cena, um, in 2006, um, do you remember that Ashley and I got married 
Yeah. And then the okay, so we got married one day. The next day, because we weren't leaving for our honeymoon until Monday. So Friday we had the wedding, right? Yeah. Saturday was supposed to just be hers and my day together. We went and saw the Marine in the theaters. That's what we did on our day off before you and I, the very next day, took off to a wrestling event. Yeah, WWE. My first one. Yeah, my first one too. WWE Raw TV taping at the um, Staples Center. Yeah, Staples, yeah. Yep, and we, we had floor seats and everything. And then the next day after that, we went on our freaking honeymoon to Mexico. <laughs> but it's because of John Cena. I went and saw the Marine. Like, I'm such a fan of John Cena. It's so ridiculous. And, that, and then he was gone off wrestling. And it's, I followed his movie career. I watched stuff he was in. I like him as an actor. Yeah. Um, but now he's, and then, but he left wrestling. And now he's back for at least just this little bit wrestling again, you know, and he must be the summer of Cena. Yeah, dude. Like that's going to be crazy. And Oh man, that one made me tear up. And then I, I, I looked over at my wall to my autographed uh, John Cena photo telling me like, um, you know, uh, everything will be okay. Like he wrote that down on a, like an autograph for me. Yeah. Like I was like, Oh yay. Cena's back. And there's definitely something I really want to point out after your lovely personal moment with it, because <laughs> you have that. Yeah. The, the one thing that I really noticed when he did that return, I believe it was Money in the Bank, right? Yep. Yeah. One, when he came out, there was no Cena sucks. There was no booze. There was no nothing. Everybody was no. like, oh my God, he is back. Yep. It was cheering. It was cheering. It was cheering. And then also too, this was like a legitimate surprise. There was rumblings that he was going to show up on Raw or SmackDown soon. Yeah. But not at that event. It's nope. one of those rare times where we live in that spoiler world where like, oh, Cena's been spotted here. Oh, Matt and Jeff are nowhere near this arena, but hey, here they are. And that was yeah. probably the last time it was a big-ass surprise like that was the Hardy Boys at WrestleMania. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So You know, and I, I, I got to experience that because I'd watched that pay-per-view. And so, like, I didn't hear about it online the next day and, like, yeah. go back and watch the video. Like, I was in the moment. And, like, just – and you know what? Like, uh, his match with Roman Reigns on SummerSlam, just as much as I wanted Cena to win, because I'm a Cena fanboy, I would love Cena to win every match ever for the rest yeah. of his life. Yeah. Um, his losing the match – the amount of work he did to show off Roman Reigns was pinnacle to Roman Reigns' career right now. Oh, yeah. I, I would even say Reigns would definitely agree. It was a peacemaking moment. Oh, I see, I see what you did there. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm brilliant by saying peacemaker, but I can't think of a thing to follow that up. Nice. You're just like, and dead air. Yeah. <laughs> no way okay so i don't i i don't think we need to like segue too hard into it because like the suicide squad is not a segue movie like oh yeah, no, man it is not. that well, movie the, the movie as a whole like you look at the first suicide squad without the the yeah it's a totally different movie compared to the suicide squad and which i, it, I forget sorry, who mentioned you... it in an interview but i love the concept that they said where it's like another issue of suicide squad it's not yeah. A sequel or anything. It has the characters you've seen, but just in a different story. 
yeah, it's just a it's just a mini series of Suicide Squad. Yeah. You know? But uh you're talking about the the Suicide Squad and the one without the the. My parents got super interested in wanting to watch the new one, the Suicide Squad. But Monique and I were telling him, like, you'll probably have a better appreciation for it if you go back and watch Suicide Squad and then Birds of Prey. And then, you know, if you go back. Yeah. And then and then Monique and I were like, eh, really, it could just be Suicide Squad. And then so my parents waited until there was a night my my wife and I weren't home and then they decided to watch Suicide Squad. They went in with full intention to watch the first one, but they didn't know the difference. So they just chose the one that first popped up when they searched Suicide Squad on HBO <laughs> Max and they got the Suicide Squad. So when I told them, I said like, oh man, I cannot wait for you to see like the evolution of Rick Flagg in the next one. And like, I, I can't wait for you to like, see how harley was different and they're like wait what and we were they were like evolution of flag he's dead and i was like oh crap they watched the wrong one uh by the way anybody listening to this who you may have been busy i'll give you that if you haven't watched the side squad yet there's going to be some spoilers in this conversation yeah i already dropped a couple right off that little bat i'm so sorry (laughs) but that's this is definitely one of those movies how we've talked about in the past where when it comes to spoilers and the journey and all that crap and, yeah. and whatnot, there's a lot of stuff we could say right now, but it'd still be like, we're, we, we will never be able to give it enough justice to not actually sit there and watching it. Yeah, I know you, even if, even it's one of those things that even if you knew everything about the movie, going back and watching it is still the better option. Exactly. I've seen it twice already. I've seen it once on uh, HBO Max and I yep. went to the theaters and saw it. Yeah, I've seen it. I was on my third we watch. I haven't gotten all the way through it, but I I'm on my third time. It's just it's such a so good damn movie. Good. And James dude, Gunn is a brilliant son of a bitch. I and it's crazy that like Warner Brothers has been making all these mistakes with all these other movies and putting their foot in their mouths on everything that they could possibly do. And then all of a sudden they're just like we're going to let this movie go. And they like put it out. It's like whoa. Just in oh, just totally insane, and like it's to it's a it's an unexpected movie constantly. Well, that's James Gunn as a whole. With exactly. Yeah, like Slither. Like oh man, Super, uh, Guardians one and two. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's just I and for a movie that was gonna introduce this new wave of Suicide Squad people, because now the next Suicide Squad movie will have the same people in it. And then possibly people still left over from the first one. Exactly. But we're getting these new young people. Oh, it was just, it was a great way to like introduce these people. And I think that's a good way to jump into this because as soon as I heard James Gunn was in it, yep. writing and directing, I was like, okay, there's going to be a body count. There's going to be a massive body count. And then we started seeing the first trailers with how many people are in the squad. Yep. After seeing like the first trailer where it was all the characters and everything, I was like, a good chunk of these are not going to make it through the opening credits. Yeah, and then James Gunn even publicly said that, not opening credits, but he did say, he goes, just so you guys know, a lot of people are going to die in this movie. Don't get attached. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely Game of it's definitely Game of Thrones in two hours. Yeah, or detached if you want to go Nathan Fillion. <laughs> <laughs> I just, when it was... When Nathan Fillion was cast, I was super excited because I was like, you know what? He's been wanting to work with James Gunn on a full movie for a long time. Just their schedules are never lining up. They haven't done anything together. Full movie since Slither. 
I was like, great, he's going to be in Suicide Squad. And then he's dead. Yeah. And then he also had the lamest superpower ever. (laughs) TDK. And that was a funny thing, too. Watching the trailers, going like, who the fuck is TDK? Yeah. And then we learn it in the the journey to the mission where it's released the detachable kid. And as Harley said, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Just the, and then like they just like were like, it would have been awesome if like they had guns and like they were shooting people or whatever, but he was just like slapping at them. Like, what the fuck was that? But that was perfect though, too, just because as you see with that opening sequence and everything, he was on the B squad and Harley was on the B squad. Captain so was like, they were so all on the B squad. They were, they were sacrificed. Exactly. And a lot of people have been asking like, why flag? Like, why did, like, why did Amanda Waller throw him under the bus? Like he was her guy and people have the theory. And I, some people say there's a deleted scene, which there is, but I don't think that's what James Gunn was going for. Uh, my theory is that he, he, she knew if he found the media that he would take it. Oh yeah. So that's why she sent Peacemaker in because Peacemaker would do anything to protect it. But she didn't even want to have to worry about that. So she was just going to take out Flag just at wipe the beginning out, of the, off the bat. Yeah, exactly. And, and that made Bloodsport just do his job to save his kid. Yeah, which oh man, like their argument in the in the prison room, uh, the the talking room was insanely funny. I saw an interview where the girls like I was so intimidated, cuss out freaking Idris Elba. <laughs> Oh, I know, man. And like he was probably like, just roll with it. Just let's just do this. <laughs> let's just do it. You know, it's it's totally fine. Yeah. And and then, you know, we 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 brought in uh Daniela McKellar or and uh for for Ratcatcher 2, which I love how they explained why she was Ratcatcher 2. When they were like, Well, we can afford Ratcatcher one, she said, He's dead. This is his daughter. Yeah. I and was like, Oh shit. <laughs> that whole sequence, like I remember in I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, uh, Taka's in this movie somewhere. And then he pops up at, in the flashbacks and I'm thinking like, oh, really? I, I was hoping he have a bigger part. But then one thing I will not reveal is he does have a more of a meaning to the role than just being the strung out dad. Yeah, no, the, his, his, his thing brings a lot of heart to the movie. Yes, and a um, lot of needed heart. And uh, I'm, I'm going to avoid... Uh, who's probably the breakthrough person of the movie. I'm going to avoid him for a second because I want to spend an, a lot of time on him together. Um, but uh, the uh, King Shark, the character King Shark, you know, and the way they told his story. Oh, yeah. And and in that moment where he sees those fish before they eat them, when he sees them in the tank, he goes, he goes, more dumb friends. Like, he was... So don't oh. he- don't forget voiced by Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> exactly. That's what's so funny is like, it's, it, it's Sylvester fucking Stallone making these, like saying these things, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> in the reveal in the trailers when it was like, okay, who the, the Sylvester Stallone's supposed to be in this movie? Who the fuck is he doing? And then King Shark talks. They're like, oh, it's him. Oh, got it. <laughs> it's Nom Nom. Nom Nom, Yeah. <laughs> I loved, I loved when, and this is how I'll segue into the next person I wanted to talk about, but I love in the movie when Bloodsport is telling everybody what Starro is so that they'll do their superpower on him. Yeah, getting them, getting them, uh, lighting that fire under the butts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so he tells, you know, King Shark, he goes, you know, monster nom nom. And so he goes to eat them. But then he tells uh, Polka Dot Man, you know, hey, 
that uh, you know, that's your mom. And so that oh. way he could see his mom. But David Dulce Mulchin, man. He, he he stole the damn movie. Honestly. He stole the damn movie. And you can see it in the press. He is doing press all over the place now. He is in every magazine. He is doing interviews upon photo shoots, upon interviews. Well, I told he, you this too. Like what they did with Polka Dot Man in this movie is the same level as Harley and Mr. Freeze on the animated series. Exactly. 100%. They gave life to it. To yeah. a character that James Gunn even said he Googled the dumbest character in the DC universe and Polka Dot Man came up. Exactly. And he made him like he made us feel for him and he yeah. made us like acknowledge him. And oh man, he was just and then like for it to be da- for for it to be David Dolch Motion or Mul- Mulchin. Sorry, it's so hard to pronounce his last name. Yeah, just David. Um, <laughs> yeah, David, double D. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, just, you know, and this guy, you know, we've seen the evolution of him through the years, you know, and 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 then, you know, doing his bit parts in different TV series and then doing, like, you know, supporting roles in movies and stuff to now, like, taking what was a supporting role and turning it into the fact that he was the most loved character in the movie. Oh yeah. Like this like, is a career making role for him. Like you're going to see David everywhere now. Man, well, everywhere. and then the next, and the next movie of his that's coming out really soon that he's also a huge part in Dune. Oh fuck yes. So like this guy, like we are about to see the rocket strapped to David's back. Yeah. Right and he, now. He's that type of person that one deserves the fuck out of it. Yeah. And two, he won't be a douche about it. Well, have I told you my story of of uh, getting an email from him? No. Okay, so so he does this comic book. He created this comic book called Count Crowley about a uh, a washed out drunk reporter having to take over being the late night host for a cable network channel. Turns out that these late night talk show hosts are part of a secret society that hunts monsters. Well, now she's stuck being that role because now she's a host. It was written by him, drawn by somebody else. And he, you know, he made it. And then he started doing his own sideshow character, his own late night host. Um, Well, I, I bought the comic book and uh, they said, and then they ran a contest through the official Instagram that said, uh, Hey, if you, uh, if you take a picture of this thing in the comic and send it to us through an email, um, we'll send you a, a set of trading cards that are coming out. So I sent the email, but attached to it, I said, Hey, I don't know if David's going to see any of these messages, but I just want to let you know. And then I gave like a nice little paragraph about how proud I am of him, how, of how happy I am to see his career, how great his comic book was and things like that. I got a reply back from him. That's awesome. Yeah, he emailed me. He, has, he said, thank you so much for your kind words. It's really nice to hear that I've connected with you. It's really nice to know that you're a big fan and that you are the reason, you, people like you are the reason I do what I do. You know, thank you so much. And I screen capped that email and uploaded it to my Google Drive immediately. That's so awesome. it wouldn't get deleted. And sure enough, I got my trading cards too, autographed by him. Yeah. Yeah, That's so cool. I, I gotta uh, hunt down that comic book because just your description alone, like I want to read this. It's 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 insane, and um, I know you have an iPad, so it is available as an ebook. 
Um, cool. If you don't, if you if you don't want to try to hunt down the trade, like to get it read quickly, I'm going to jump on my iPad. But it's just worth to the it, support. Dude. I'm I I would want the hard copy too. Yeah, it's it's yeah. great, dude. It's awesome, and they're doing round two. He's doing uh, a sequel. Nice. Okay, yep. definitely got to keep an eye out for that. So I, I I don't think we really need to talk about how awesome John Cena was in the movie because like I just waxed philosophical about Cena as a wrestler for ten minutes. But we got to touch base on the fact that he is such a douchebag in this movie too. Right. But what what I was going to say was is I do want to talk about Peacemaker the character. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about John Cena. I want to talk about Peacemaker. Holy crap, dude! Like once his twist was revealed. Yeah, it made so much sense as to why he was on the team, because he was exactly like Bloodsport. And she said, everybody's chosen for unique abilities. His further unique ability from Bloodsport is that he'd be willing to listen screw to her. the team over. Yeah, <laughs> screw the team over to protect America. Yeah, to protect peace. I don't care how many men, women or children have to die to get it <laughs> yeah, or a uh, beach covered in nicks. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's and it's so great because like when I was. When I first saw that trailer, of course, I was super into it because of Cena and stuff. But I was like, okay, are they going to make him weird? Like, like, like really weird? And they didn't. And they made him kind of weird. But like, yeah, they made him weird to the extent of like how he describes the character as I'm Captain America, but a douche. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and the the best line from him was when Bloodsport told him like, uh, non-lethal doesn't count and he blew up the he said compression oh, God, yeah and the guy blew up and he goes no one likes to show off and then he said unless what they're showing off is dope as fuck <laughs> and, and blood sport was like damn it that's true yeah <laughs> like, I well, that whole it. sequence right there the ones upmanship in the camp where we thought it was just a general like terrorist gorilla camp yeah camp. but then we see them just annihilate everybody we see king shark freaking Eat a guy. Eat a dude. Yep. Uh, we see Bloodsport and Peacemaker do their one-upsmanship where they're shooting dudes that their dicks are just hanging out or yeah. shooting a fan into a bathtub where dude gets his junk just chopped up and electrocuted. Or just grabs an axe and as he's walking next to his person bed, away. just chops at him all the way up the bed. And then like, they pop their head in the tent and realize, oh, Captain Slack's okay. This was the rebellion. <laughs> These oh, are no. freedom fighters. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and how quickly they just diverted to like little kids that knew they're about to get in trouble. <laughs> exactly. Just like oh, there wasn't anybody out there. We didn't see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, um, uh, I feel like I, I well, we glossed over her for a second. Um, so before we wrap out talking about Peacemaker, which Kalia sent us talking about the miniseries of P- or the TV oh, show yeah. Peacemaker. Um, Ratcatcher 2, um, what a character, man, and what oh, yeah. what a character who drove the heart of the movie. Yeah, somebody compared it in a meme or just in general to how Cyborg was in Justice League, Ratcatcher 2 was in Suicide Squad. Exactly. What, yeah, they were the character that we were supposed to feel everything with, you know, and 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 then to have her be the savior, you know, in the end. and. Yeah. Calling the rats out to nom nom on Starro. Basically just eat him alive. Yeah. Which which sad ending for him when he tells everybody I was happy. I was happy floating, staring at the stars. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, dude. Sorry. 
<laughs> you still got to die, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I... Yeah, you killed I, Polka Dot when he was realizing he was a superhero, so which was <laughs> Which was so just shitty. I was oh, like, no. God damn it. I was the same way, but then after a moment, I was like, I understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> we can't have nice things. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We have to lose something, okay. And we can't lose Harley, because Harley is the moneymaker for DC. Well, that's the reason I kind of hope they treat it like comic books, where, like, the next Suicide Squad movie, they could resurrect him. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Peacemaker TV series now. Going yeah, right that. the stinger scene. Um, I, I want to ask you this since we're both uh, movie junkies like we are. Since Suicide Squad got delayed and then they got the announcement for the series and everything, I think that stinger scene where Steve Ag and the blonde girl go to the hospital, mm-hmm. I think they filmed that post-production, basically. Oh, yeah, that was 100% like a, like a post-production, like... Uh, like doing they got the call that we're doing Peacemaker yeah. series. So yeah. let's throw the stinger in. 100%. I think that was definitely done like as a last minute thing, which is why it's only the two of them in yeah. this scene and not like a whole team or something like that, you know, or a bigger scene. It's just like a, it's a hospital room. Well, which, they're probably going to be but, in the series too. They're probably going to be his handlers. Oh, 100%. But I just meant to, to do the stinger scene. He only yeah. needed the two of them. You know? I'm really hoping like I, this is really going to jump of course, real quick. Yeah. I really want the first two episodes of Peacemaker to be like Steve Agee and the girl and their team are trying to accomplish this mission with little to no bloodshed. And then like maybe the last five, ten minutes of the show is just like, fuck, release them. And yeah. then just have Cena just just barrel through just killing everybody. And then the show's over. It's the yeah, second episode do it again so everybody's like is this it is it going to be every week this and then after he does this second just slaughter fest then it, something happens where it's like oh no more slaughter fest we're going to get killing and everything but now it's going to be what the yeah. show's going to be yeah exactly he's into the storyline yeah but i would just love it even just one episode of them just going trying to like i don't want to bring him in i don't want to bring him in yeah i really want no body count this time around fuck release him I think it would also be funny too if they sent him off on some side mission that was supposed to take 12 hours because they didn't even want him anywhere near the scene and he shows back up when they're still trying to keep him out. Like, yeah, just with a severed head in hand going, like, yeah, I'm done. You were gone for an hour and a half. What? (laughs) I grabbed some empanadas. Yeah. Sorry, I would have been home sooner. Yeah. But uh, back to what you were talking about, though. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know that it uh, that the Steve Ag and Jennifer Holland are going to be in the next one because it just makes complete sense because both of those actors are very close to James Gunn. Jennifer, oh, yeah. Jennifer you know, Jennifer Holland is his fiance, and Steve Ag is his friend. So to work to take to do James Gunn's first TV show, of course, he's going to want to have people close to him yeah. that he knows doing it. Well, he's you know, always been that director that keeps people close. 100%, you know, Zack Snyder does a lot of the same thing, you know, and yeah, like if you, you probably read it too. There was a guardians cameo in the suicide squad. Mantis. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was Mantis. I caught that on the first view. I did it because there was so much stuff going on in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like I saw her, I saw that character and I'm like, Oh, 
okay, not thinking who it is, but then like the way it went through and everything. And then later that night I heard the cameo. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. No, I caught it first one. I was like, that's the girl who plays Mantis. Nice. Show off. Hey, you know what? You know how many other cameos I've missed in so much stuff that I can take this one and be proud of it. Damn right, yeah. How many times <laughs> I've been like, hey, you see that person there? You see that person? And I'm like, no, dude, I didn't see that at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know what? I got I gotta say, um these Zoom record times that we do, we do these over Zoom, it's it's so funny to to me speaking to you through the microphone, but not being across from me because really you and I are not phone talkers to each other. We don't call each other unless it's an emergency or we have a lot of information that we have to give in a short amount of time. Yeah. We don't want to do the novel of a text. Yeah. Other than that, we don't talk on the phone. When we talk to each other, it's when we're hanging out, like going to dinner or going to play games or something, or we're recording. Most of the time we talk on text. So this is very weird because I don't feel like this is a phone call and it doesn't make me uncomfortable thinking we're on the phone because there's still a microphone. Yeah, it's podcast time. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, 100%. My brain's still in podcast mode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. What a, this one was fun. Yeah. This was, Uh, we're going to be doing more of them. Uh, It's not kiboshing on us being in person, but this is going to at least get us to episode 200 because I have a feeling when we get to episode 200, it will be that'll be probably crossroads moment to see what we want to do next. Yeah, definitely. But you know what? Like we can't we can't just stop doing the show because we have to change things in our lives. So no. if we have to adapt the show to do it, we'll adapt the show to do it. Exactly. And that's what we're doing here. Um, yeah, I man. know there's so much more we can talk about with Suicide Squad. Yeah. Too many spoilers. Have, <laughs> yeah. And and uh, we both have work tomorrow. <laughs> I'm off, but no, I, oh, I, well, I need I to do some tomorrow. stuff. I got to check on an interview and whatnot tomorrow, too. <laughs> yeah. I have less than 12 hours before I'm going to be at work. So. so you need to get some sleep. <laughs> yeah. So, but man, this was great. I'm so looking this was forward fun. to doing this. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing this, man. This is going to be great. I, th- I think the title for this one's going to be Can You See Me? Yes. Which right now I can't. Nope. No. <laughs> nope. We 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 got Josh Cena in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that wraps it, doesn't it? That yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm gonna have to play the I'm a tired old dad card on you and skedaddle yeah. here. <laughs> no worries there. So with that being said, this has been Josh. This has been Doug. And as always, be excellent. To excellent each to each other. You know, I'm really glad they never changed their catchphrase in later movies. It works. (laughs) It does. It does.